0: Chapter 5 of Memoirs of the Author of A Vindication of the Rights of Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Memoirs of the Author of A Vindication of the Rights of Woman, by William Godwin. Chapter 5, 1787 to 1790 being now determined to enter upon her literary plan mary came immediately from bristol to the metropolis her conduct under this circumstance was such as to do credit both to her own heart and that of mr johnson her publisher between whom and herself there now commenced an intimate friendship she had seen him upon occasion of publishing her thoughts on the education of daughters and she addressed two or three letters to him during her residence in ireland upon her arrival in london in august seventeen eighty seven she went immediately to his house and frankly explained to him her purpose at the same time requesting his advice and assistance as to its execution after a short conversation mr johnson invited her to make his house her home till she should have suited herself with a fixed residence she accordingly resided at this time two or three weeks under his roof At the same period she paid a visit or two of similar duration to some friends at no great distance from the metropolis. At Michaelmas seventeen eighty seven she entered upon a house in George Street on the Surrey side of Blackfriars Bridge, which mr Johnson had provided for her during her excursion into the country. The three years immediately ensuing may be said in the ordinary acceptation of the term to have been the most active period of her life she brought with her to this habitation the novel of mary which had not yet been sent to the press and the commencement of a sort of oriental tale entitled the cave of fancy which she thought proper afterwards to lay aside unfinished i am told that at this period she appeared under great dejection of spirits and filled with melancholy regret for the loss of her youthful friend a period of two years had elapsed since the death of that friend but it was possibly the composition of the fiction of mary that renewed her sorrows in their original force soon after entering upon her new habitation she produced a little work entitled original stories from real life intended for the use of children at the commencement of her literary career she is said to have conceived a vehement aversion to the being regarded by her ordinary acquaintance in the character of an author and to have employed some precautions to prevent its occurrence the employment which the bookseller suggested to her as the easiest and most certain source of pecuniary income of course was translation with this view she improved herself in her french with which she had previously but a slight acquaintance and acquired the italian and german languages the greater part of her literary engagements at this time were such as were presented to her by mr johnson she new-modelled and abridged a work translated from the dutch entitled young grandison she began a translation from the french of a book called the new robinson but in this undertaking she was i believe anticipated by another translator and she compiled a series of extracts in verse and prose upon the model of dr enfield's speaker which bears the title of the female reader but which from a cause not worth mentioning has hitherto been printed with a different name in the title-page about the middle of the year 1788 mr johnson instituted the analytical review in which mary took a considerable share she also translated necker on the importance of religious opinions made an abridgment of Lavatour's physiognomy from the french which has never been published and compressed saltzman's elements of morality a German production, into a publication in three volumes, duodecimo. The translation of Salzmann produced a correspondence between Mary and the author, and he afterwards repaid the obligation to her in kind, by a German translation of the Rights of Woman. Such were her principal literary occupations from the autumn of 1787 to the autumn of 1790. It perhaps deserves to be remarked that this sort of miscellaneous literary employment seems for the time at least rather to damp and contract than to enlarge and invigorate the genius the writer is accustomed to see his performances answer the mere mercantile purpose of the day and confounded with those of persons to whom he is secretly conscious of a superiority no neighbour mind serves as a mirror to reflect the generous confidence he felt within himself and perhaps the man never yet existed who could maintain his enthusiasm to its full vigor in the midst of this kind of solitariness he is touched with the torpedo of mediocrity i believe that nothing which mary produced during this period is marked with those daring flights which exhibit themselves in the little fiction she composed just before its commencement among effusions of a nobler caste i find occasionally interspersed some of that homily language which to speak from my own feelings is calculated to damp the moral courage it was intended to awaken this is probably to be assigned to the causes above described i have already said that one of the purposes which mary had conceived a few years before as necessary to give a relish to the otherwise insipid or embittered draught of human life was usefulness on this side the period of her existence of which i am now treating is more brilliant than in a literary view she determined to apply as great a part as possible of the produce of her present employments to the assistance of her friends and of the distressed and for this purpose laid down to herself rules of the most rigid economy she began with endeavoring to promote the interest of her sisters she conceived that there was no situation in which she could place them, at once so respectable and agreeable, as that of governess in private families. She determined, therefore, in the first place, to endeavor to qualify them for such an undertaking. Her younger sister she sent to Paris, where she remained near two years. The elder she placed in a school near London, first as a parlor boarder and afterwards as a teacher. Her brother James, who had already been at sea, she first took into her home and next sent to woolwich for instruction to qualify him for a respectable situation in the royal navy where he was shortly after made a lieutenant charles who was her favorite brother had been articled to the eldest an attorney in the mineries, but not being satisfied with his situation she removed him and in some time after having first placed him with a farmer for instruction she fitted him out for america where his speculations founded upon the basis she had provided are said to have been extremely prosperous the reason so much of this parental sort of care fell upon her was that her father had by this time considerably embarrassed his circumstances his affairs having grown too complex for himself to disentangle he had entrusted them to the management of a near relation but mary not being satisfied with the conduct of the business took them into her own hands the exertions she made and the struggle into which she entered however in this instance were ultimately fruitless to the day of her death her father was almost wholly supported by funds which she supplied to him in addition to her exertions for her own family she took a young girl of about seven years of age under her protection and care the niece of mrs john hunter and of the present mrs skays for whose mother then lately dead she had entertained a sincere friendship the period from the end of the year 1787 to the end of the year 1790 though consumed in labors of little eclat served still further to establish her in a friendly connection from which she derived many pleasures mr johnson the bookseller contracted a great personal regard for her which resembled in many respects that of a parent as she frequented his house she, of course, became acquainted with his guests. Among these may be mentioned as persons possessing her esteem, Mr. Bonnycastle, the mathematician, the late Mr. George Anderson, accountant to the Board of Control, Dr. George Fordyce, and Mr. Fuselli, the celebrated painter. Between both of the two, latter and herself, there existed sentiments of genuine affection and friendship. End of Chapter 5